So, this morning, you can turn on the lights if you want to. I don't know whether the bird's taking its all in or not. <laughs> it's the, the dial. Push it. Just push it. There you go. <laughs> you know, we, we get afraid of things, don't we? When things don't go the way we want. You know, we had this talk in Sunday school today, some, and... Uh, we're, we're going to talk about today, are you afraid? Are you afraid of what's going on out there today? What, what, what's going on in this world? And uh, I'm going to ask Steve <laughs> to uh, read us our verses for today. It's Mark 4, 35 to 41, if you want to follow along. And I'd like to have a stand for the reading of the word. <laughs> Thank you for the reading of God's Word. Have a seat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I love to fish, but I have to admit to you, I've always had some fear related to water when it comes to it. <laughs> you know, when I was around 10 years old, I, I went fishing uh, at, in Boulder Lake up on Mount Hood with, with my Uncle John and my dad. And uh, my Uncle John was, I mean, he was an avid fisherman. He fished all the time. And we were out on this lake, and we were fishing for lake trout. And our aim was to fish until sunset that day. And after fishing for several hours, we decided to move to another location. And uh, so my uncle went back to the boat and, and went to start the motor, pulled the cord, you know, and started it up just fine, and then fell into the lake. <laughs> Clear to the bottom. <laughs> so, and so it was like, oh, dear. <laughs> uh, my dad laughed, but, <laughs> but I got scared. <laughs> you know, we're in the middle of this lake, no oars, and we, so we had to take, they had some, some old chairs or something there, you know, that were screwed to the floor of the boat. We had to use those to paddle our way to shore. It took what it seemed like for hours, <laughs> And a few years later, now I'm going to get a smile out of this one too. I was out on a boat doing some salmon fishing out of Winchester Bay with my sister. Right there. <laughs> and it was a cold, windy, rainy day. But then it got worse. And uh, let's just say that uh, Jackie turned various shades of green and <laughs> ended up expelling her breakfast. <laughs> and so 
Of course, I was having fun until I saw that, and then I had to follow suit. <laughs> yeah, when I was in high school, I was out on the Sandy River with some friends, and I was uh, boarding, you know, uh, doing some uh, waterboarding and, and that type of thing behind the boat. And my buddy thought it would be fun, so he tried to make me fall off by turning the boat really sharp. And, uh, well, he turned the boat really sharp and I fell off. But guess what? He also fell off the seat in the boat and onto the floor of the boat. <laughs> and, and so when I came to the top here, I see this boat coming right at me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thank goodness another friend got in there and turned it and got it away from me, you know. And in uh, and, and the days... Um, just a few days before I graduated from high school, a friend was out swimming. Uh, and everybody knows Detroit Dam up there and that, and uh, swimming out there. And, uh, and my friend Tim drowned that day. And to this day, I have been very wary of water. <laughs> you know, going out. You know, I've gone out a few times. And and uh, Cindy knows I got sick once. <laughs> and uh, but. Uh, you know, it's hard. I'd rather be a bum on the beach, I think, most of the time, rather than wander into the waters. <laughs> Our text for today really takes place on some water, and we're going to find out really what the disciples, you know, they had some pretty intense aquaphobia when it came to it also. So as we read in Mark 4, 35 to 41, Let's climb into this boat with them and see kind of where it's taking them. And Jesus takes us to the other side, right? Well, obviously, some plans for his disciples, they, they don't really completely know about everything that's going to happen on that boat trip. But in this passage, we'll discover five truths about God's plans for modern-day disciples, us. You see, his plans may be puzzling to us. You know, verse 35 says, the day when you know, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And I think Jesus may have wanted to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee with his disciples to maybe teach and train these disciples a little bit. And that's kind of what we have to go through sometimes too, isn't it? You know, I want to focus on this, but, but first a little background. You know, while the Sea of Galilee, um, Cindy and I have been blessed to be over there and, and Jordan to go sailing on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it, it's, it, you know, it's quite a place. It's mentioned 53 times in the Gospels. And, and it's the setting for the backdrop of many stories and miracles, really, uh, of Jesus. And... and but yet when you hear this, you hardly, they hardly focus on the other side when they say you're going to the other side, do they? They wonder why. And that's primarily because that side of the lake was where the Gentiles lived. And the Jewish people would avoid that area at all costs a lot of the time. The pagan people lived there, and, and it was commonly believed that maybe even the devil himself had a dwelling spot there. I don't know. And the other side was unsettling and uncertain, so they'd rather just kind of stay away from that other side. And, and as I thought about it, how it applies to what our family, our family here is going through, as well as what God's calling us here at Living Water Fellowship to do right now. Friends, we're called to follow Jesus. 
And we're called to follow his plan wherever and whenever, even when it doesn't make sense. But just as Jesus called his first followers to go with him to the other side, so too, each of us, we have to go where he goes if we're going to follow him. We have to go where he goes. You know, incidentally, it's not a suggestion, really, but a command of Christ. We see in Matthew 8, 18, he says, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Yeah. And you see, the disciples don't hesitate. You know, if it's that's what Jesus, if that's where Jesus wants to go, well, that's where they're going to go too. We see in verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. But there were also other boats with him. They took Jesus just as he was, you know, meaning they didn't make any preparations, didn't go back and get their suitcase or get any provisions or anything like that. And, you know, and, and the way it was is if the Savior says it's time to sail, it's time to sail to the other side of the shore. That's what it's about. Their resolve is about to be tested, however, isn't it? You see, it isn't easy to sail I should say it is easy to sail, isn't it? When the waters are calm and seas are flat and nice. But when storm comes, it's a different story, isn't it? <laughs> we all going through some storms and it's harder, isn't it? And we have to understand that his plan often includes what we may see as problems. Even though they may be problems to us, it's part of his plan. The Sea of Galilee was re is really just a lake. It's a big lake. But it was called the sea because it had a lot of the same characteristics of things that happen on the sea. It was only 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. So it, it's a pretty good sized lake, but it's not an ocean, right? It's... However, this is one of the things that I really was amazed at. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. Almost 200 feet below sea level. And, and it was, it was uh, that amazed me when we were there. We went from that 200 feet below sea level to Jerusalem, which was 100 and some feet above sea level. <laughs> so it, it's pretty amazing. It, you know, but... It's known for its severe storms. Cold wind would whip down from the tops of the mountains like Mount Hermon and, and combine with the warm air that's there on the lake and causing these explosive thunderstorms and gale force winds. And it wasn't uncommon for the waves to reach a height of 10 to 12 feet and sometimes even up to 20 feet. You imagine that being in one of those little wooden fishing boats going through that? <laughs> You know, one commentator wrote, the sea was known to swallow entire ships and gulp down people. <laughs> and it was a common superstition, really, in those days that to, see, to see the water as kind of this abyss where demons lurked in the deep. And besides that, the lake was thought to be where the mysterious creatures of the Leviathan lived. I don't know. And given those superstitions, no wonder people lived in awe of that lake. Look at Mark 4.37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And the word furious here comes from the word megas, 
which refers to something being huge, right? Huge, like a hurricane. Water is filling up the boat with the waves spilling over the sides and <laughs> so much that it was nearly swamped. Luke 8.23 adds, and they were in great danger, you think? Yeah, I thought we were in great danger in that fishing boat with Jackie when we were going up and down and up and down. <laughs> Friends, let me point out that Jesus sent them into the boat knowing that a storm was coming. And you see, in order to get to the other side, they had to go through the storm. And friends, so many times for us to get to the other side, we have to go through the storm. We do. Hmm. Don't you think that just because you're going through some choppy seas, you know, that somehow you're being punished sometimes, maybe you feel that, that, that you're being disobedient somewhere along the line that did I miss something, you know? No doubt, you know, God does send some storms to get our attention, like he did with uh, Jonah, you know, <laughs> he got his attention pretty good. But other times, the storms come due to our, our need for obedience and growth, to help us grow in who we are and our faith. And when the storm comes, well, they're often sudden, right? They come Boom, and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, they come in, it's a split second, seemingly out of nowhere. And, and all it takes is, you know, one phone call, a, a doctor's visit, an accident, a job loss, or a relational rupture of some kind. They can also be severe, can't they? They can be pretty, pretty drastic, as well as they can be pretty surprising when they happen that fast. I'm often surprised when a storm hits but really, I shouldn't be, because First Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Hmm. Yeah. Don't be surprised, you know. In, in, in his book called The Pressure's Off, Larry Crabb argues that God is not a vending machine dispensing blessings and rewards for our good behavior. That's not it. We need to reject a faith that is filled with a formula that says, if I do A, then God will do B for me. No, that isn't how it works, friends. And he also proposes that while we can't always make life work like we want it to work, we can always draw closer to God. We can and friends, if Jesus is who he says he is, then we have nothing to fear, friends. We have nothing to fear. His plans for us may be puzzling, and, and, and they often include problems, but they come with his presence with us. Yeah, his plans come with his presence, friends. Where is Jesus when the storm comes? Where is he? <laughs> In this scripture, where is he? Well, he's in the back of the boat taking a power nap, right? <laughs> Jesus, verse 38 says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. <laughs> we see here the picture of his humanity, don't we, of Jesus. He's so tired, he's sleeping. And this is also a great picture of him being in total control, really. He's peaceful, even though there's problems taking place all around him. He's sleeping while the rest 
of them are sweating. <laughs> He's on his throne right now. He's got everything taken care of. He knows what's happening. Jesus is in the boat with them. He didn't keep them from the storm, but he's going through the storm with them. He's there. Now, this really had to be some storm, didn't it? It really did. We, we know at least four of his disciples were fishermen, right? <laughs> and, and they're freaking out. <laughs> What's going on? John MacArthur points out that it's a dark day when sailors call on a carpenter to get him out of a storm. <laughs> you know, the disciples are totally undone. So they wake him up and, and scream out a question, dripping with accusation, really. You know, teacher, don't you care if we drown? <laughs> don't you care? And be, but before we get too hard on these guys, you know, don't we often do the same thing? Don't we? We're just saying, God, don't you care? Why are you doing this? Don't we often do that same thing? Doesn't, you know, when, when God doesn't do what we want or what we think may need to happen, it's way too, too common to attack God's character when bad things happen to us sometimes. You know, while we're taking on water and sinking under the waves of worry, God often seems asleep. And we see this in Psalm 44, 23, where it says, Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Friends, don't confuse God's silence with a lack of compassion. Don't do that. Because he cares deeply for you, each one of you, each one of you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Matthew Henry also said that the ship that Christ is in, though it may be tossed, cannot sink. Hmm. You ever thought about that? If Christ is in that boat with you, it's not going to sink. Now here's something helpful for you. Maybe you can remember this. Whenever you're sinking or you feel like you're sinking under problems, remember this phrase. Don't despair. Christ is there. Don't despair. Christ is there. It's only in the storm that we understand who Jesus really is. Isn't it? Sometimes. You know, we learn most about Christ when we are in crisis. Remember this, storms aren't sent to, to destroy you, but to develop you and help you grow. Hmm. If Jesus is who he says he is, then we have nothing to be afraid of. Really? You're great? Yeah. If he is who he says he is, and we're following him, don't be afraid. His plans may be puzzling to us, and they often include problems, but... They come with his presence and a demonstration of his power. Have you ever seen that happen? I think we talked about a few of those things this morning. <laughs> you know, his plan demonstrates power. I, I love how, how Jesus slept through the storm, but as soon as his children cried out to him, he woke up, he woke up and it reminds me, <laughs> kind of, uh, I see... Rachel back there <laughs> reminds me how moms can sleep soundly, but when they hear just a whimper from that little one, 
they're newborn. They just pop out of bed right now. And I think Scott does too sometimes. <laughs> Verse 39 says, he got up, rebuked the wind and waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm, completely calm. It's interesting to me that, uh, that Jesus doesn't specifically answer the question about whether he cared because the answer they needed was to see a demonstration of what he can do, his power. All Jesus had to do was utter a command and that which he created instantly obeyed. You know, what a picture. What a picture, really, when you think about it. When, when he stood up for all the forces of nature, he stood up and all the forces of nature took notice. This is God. <laughs> what he creates, he controls. When he rebuked the wind and the waves, they bowed before him. The phrase Jesus uses means to be muzzled and to remain so. He said the same thing in Mark 1.25 when he told the demons to be quiet. And Mark's showing us Jesus' power over diseases, over the demons, and the deep. Everything that's created is under him. Psalm 89.9, you rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up, you still them. With a word from Jesus that muzzled this major windstorm, stopped millions of gallons of water from moving instantly. You know, there's really two miracles here. First, you know, he stopped the wind. <laughs> and secondly, he stilled the water. You ever seen water when it's been disturbed? How it keeps moving until it finally calms down? Normally when that wind dies down, the waves will keep rolling along. But not that night. Not that night. The wind caused Steve's howling and the waves stopped moving. Period. The sea was still. And I like what someone else said about this passage. No water can swallow the ship where lies the master of the ocean of the earth and skies. After preaching in the aftermath of the Hurricane Katrina, a, a pastor, Fred Luter of New Orleans, concluded in his sermon with these words, always remember that when the storms show up, so does the Savior. You know, I discovered something really cool this week that, uh, that I liked. The same word that's used to describe mega storm also used to describe mega calm of the sea. <laughs> we have to realize that his plan always has a purpose, friends. His plan always has a purpose. And the greatest storm that night was not on the Sea of Galilee, but in the souls of those disciples. The last two verses of Mark 4 gives three purposes behind the plans that God had for, has for all of us. First of all, is to deal with our fear. After rebuking the storm, Jesus rebukes the disciples by asking them this question in verse 40. Here's the first. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? That word means timid to the point of just giving up. My friends, what are you so afraid of today? What are you afraid of? <laughs> you know, the presence of fear can indicate really 
the absence of faith. Because fear and faith are incompatible, friends. They're not compatible. And next, he has a purpose to grow our faith. And here's the second question. Do you still have no faith? Really? Do you still have no faith? You see, fear can kind of flay our faith if we let it. But faith can force out our fears. However, the biggest issue is not that Jesus stopped the storm, but that he couldn't find their faith. It's, it's ironic that it's only the wind and the waves that are obeying him in this passage. Hmm. Thought about that? Only the wind and the waves are the ones obeying him. God also wants to increase our awe in him, our awe and respect of him. One pastor said that the only thing more incredible than having a storm outside your boat is to have the Lord Almighty inside your boat. <laughs> After Jesus asked the, them the two questions, the disciples, they're unsettled. And, and they turn to each other and they ask a question in verse 41. They were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, they're just like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you've heard of the calm before the storm, right? Well, this is the storm after the calm. The sea is at rest, but the disciples are all churned up. <laughs> You'd think that they would just chill when the waves are still, right? The storm made them afraid, but the power of Christ made them petrified. You get that? The storm made them afraid, but his power petrified them. <laughs> the word literally means they feared a great fear to be stricken with awe and amazement in the presence of one greater than self. Hmm. With deity on full display now, they are twice as terrified after the storm. If Jesus did that to the forces of nature, what could he do to them? <laughs> In short, they didn't have a category for Christ. <laughs> they didn't. Well, one translation says, what manner of man is this? He was more frightening than what they had just been through, what they just experienced in that storm. They realized that they are in the presence of holiness. Oh. And it felt like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, 5, where he says, Woe to me, I am ruined. Hmm. R.C. Sproul says that it was his awesome otherness that made them uncomfortable. <laughs> and that's exactly what Peter said on another occasion when Jesus filled the nets with so many fish. Remember that? Filled the, so many fish that the boat began to sink. And Peter said, or when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Ah. And the woman who was healed by touching Jesus' garment had a similar response in Mark 5.35. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. So here's the deal. Unholy sinners are not comfortable in the presence of holy, are they? 
I wonder if we've overemphasized Jesus sometimes as just being our friend at the expense of losing our fear and respect for him. You see, a reverential awe of God will keep us from being afraid during this adversity time. If we fear God, we won't fear other things because he is over everything. And it's only in the storms that we truly understand who Jesus really is to us. Let's summarize here now what we can learn from this perfect storm. First, he may be puzzling, right? It may be strange. His plan may be puzzling. And his plan often includes problems, doesn't it? And his plan comes, though, with his presence. And his plan demonstrates his power and always has a purpose. As I reflected on this passage this week, I realized that we're all in the same boat, friends. We are. We're in the same boat. Pun intended here. (laughs) J. Vernon McGee once said, what a wonderful lesson we learn here. He puts us into the storms of life in order that we might grow closer to him and that we might know him better. Who do you rely on? You know, who do you really go to when you're in those storms? As we wrap up kind of this morning, let's focus on some life lessons that come from this. You know, friends, Christ cares for you and me. He does. Deeply, he cares. And he can help you in your crisis, any crisis. The disciples accused him of not caring. Hmm, I hope you don't do that. Let's not make that same mistake. The incident reveals both the humanity and the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He fell asleep in the stern of the boat, and that's his humanity. And he spoke the storm and the sea were completely calm, and that's his deity. You see, he can understand what you're going through because he was fully man. And he can do something about it because he is fully God. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We must also realize that Christ is complete. He is in complete control of everything in this world. We don't know what's coming, but Jesus does. Jesus does. He's great and he's good. You know, what do you need to trust him right now? What do you need to trust him? You know, I've read that anything under God's control is never out of control. (laughs) Let's trust Jesus in the most threatening of circumstances. Every crisis we go through is really an opportunity to get to know him better. You see, his sleeping days are over, friends. His sleeping days are over. Psalm 12 121, one, three through four says, he will not let you fo- your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will ne- neither slumber or sleep. We all have to go through storms, don't we? 
to get to the other side. My guess is that Living Water Fellowship here will hit some wind and waves as we go along. Yeah, we had some waves in the basement the other day. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Our family will go through some waves as well, but it's okay. God's in control. Let's make sure that we're focused on growing our faith and living in awe of Him. Well, we're not promised any easy trip, friends, but we are guaranteed arrival at our destination. Remember this, the only way to the other side is through the storms. Friends, if you're going through a storm, you better have Jesus in your boat. <laughs> you better have Jesus in your boat. Go back and look at verse 36. There were also other boats with him, but only one of them had Jesus in it. Is he in your boat? Is he? Only one of them had Jesus in it. Is the Lord in your life all the time? We can go to Jesus in all the storms of life, knowing that the boat can never sink when the Savior is in it. The boat can never sink when the Savior's in it. And since Jesus can still the winds and the waves, he can clobber any addictions, put your marriage back together. He can lead Living Water Fellowship into the future. Jesus said, let's go over he didn't say, let's go under. Let's go over. I love the words from Amy Carmichael. It says, thou art the Lord who slept upon the pillow. Thou art the Lord who soothed the furious sea. What matter the beating wind and losing, tossing billow if only we are in the boat with thee? Friends, make sure that Jesus is steering your boat today. Are, are, are you allowing Jesus to be commander of your boat? It's interesting to read verse 38 that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> the cushion was reserved for the captain of the ship. Hmm. Fitting. Jesus is in the spot of the steermanship. Friends, is he steering your life, your ship? Have you given him control of everything? Everything. You see, Jesus won't always calm the storm, but he will calm you. Trust in that. <laughs> he may not still the storm that you're in right now, but he can still calm you. He may not always change your circumstances, but if you're surrendered to him, he will change you. I've seen that happen this week with Jackie's son. <laughs> Remember, we may not know what the day holds, but we know who brings the day. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning. May our hearts be turned to you. May we let you be the guide through our life. No matter the storms, no matter the, the things that we go through, Lord. We know you are in control and you see what we're going through, Lord. And you know what we need, Lord. May our hearts trust and not give way, Father, to the waves and, and the, 
temptations and, and the insinuations and accusations of others. May we hear you, Lord, above all. Guide us now as we prepare for your, your communion with you with the Lord's Supper, Lord. We pray you bless this time. Guide us and watch over us, Lord. Help us to seek you, Father, in everything, in every way. In Jesus' precious name, amen.